0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm here with, I'm Faraz Sadiki. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. We're gonna go over the preseason week one recap. There's a lot going on. A lot of training camp news. Uh, a lot of interesting tidbits coming out of preseason week one that will potentially directly correlate. To some fantasy, uh, some fantasy repercussions. So that's we're going to go over all that. But first, we're going to get into the rapid recap with Zach. Uh, Zach, go ahead and take that away.
1: All right. So just this week, both Christian Watson and Robert Tunyon were both activated from the pup list on Sunday, indicating that they may both be ready to go for the beginning of the regular season, or at the very least, only miss a few weeks if they're going to miss any time at all. How comfortable should we be with the idea of Christian Watson? You know, maybe being in starting lineups or just being on teams in general, what do we think of Christian Watson now that you know he's coming off the pup list? Is this a good sign? Yeah, no, for sure.
0: That's what you want to see. Now, I definitely wouldn't be putting him in my starting lineup week one, but uh, and you won't need to, right? Given he's going in the 12th round or later in drafts right now, and as of right now, there's zero hype around Christian Watson, so people might not be so excited uh, to draft him, so he can potentially uh, fall in your draft. Right now, you know, I think you know grabbing Romeo Dubs later for upside might be the move for me right now, given Watson hasn't had any work in camp so far with Rodgers. Also, we have to remember that he played in the FCS. So, you know, he might have some work to do in order for him to catch up to the NFL level. Uh, But it's been Dubs building that rapport. Uh, He's not going that much later on underdog, but in home leagues, he's going to go later. Uh, You know, in home leagues, like you're probably going to get him in the 15th, 16th round. Uh, now, if you really want to, like you know, reach for him, you might have to do the, do so in like round thirteen, you know, in case you got some Packers fans in your league and you know people are paying attention. Uh, but that that's a, that sounds about right for me. But as of right now, probably you know grabbing Dubs because he's the one you know making waves, uh, and Watson might have you know a little bit of work to do.
1: Right, I'm absolutely you know with you there. I think that Romeo Dubs is the guy to target right now. Now earlier in the off season, you would have heard me saying target Christian Watson. But um, obviously that knee injury came up and, you know, he's working back from it. And I think that he definitely has potential, you know, to overtake uh, Romeo Dubs as the season goes on. I think that Watson is a more athletic player. Obviously we've talked about, you know, how Romeo Dubs isn't exactly a, uh, you know, athletic freak. But, you know, he has he has the tools that he needs. He, he was a late pick. You know, Aaron Rodgers is obviously vibing with him. So he definitely has the upside there. Um, but I think overall – I think redraft, Romeo Dubs is the guy. I think Dynasty, I'm looking at Christian Watson as the guy. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, Watson might be able to return some good value later in the season, depending on how you know he meshes and works with the rest of the offense. Um, we'll see more about that as the preseason goes on, even as um, the season goes on. We'll see what even Alan Lazard looks like. You know, Alan Lazard could be a bigger player than we think that he might be, but um, I- I'm with you. Romeo Dubs is the guy right now. Christian Watson, I think, maybe later on. All right, our next uh, headline that we're looking at for this, this week. We saw Zach Wilson go down last week with a knee injury that was first feared to be season-ending, but, you know, since been clarified as a bone bruise and meniscus tear, not too major. He's only expected to miss about two to four weeks. How does this injury affect guys like Brees Hall and Elijah Moore? Should he mil- Should Zach Wilson miss time to open 2022?
0: I don't think it's gonna have a big impact on either of those guys, like both are gonna get their touches. they're both gonna get their targets uh you know with Joe Flacco under center if Wilson were to go down, so I'm not really worried like I continue to draft them as you were uh glad it wasn't a serious injury for Zach. I'm hoping maybe their price drops just a little bit because of it. I doubt that it does uh but I'm not worried
1: right i i'm not I'm not that worried about it either i i I don't want to say that you know Elijah Moore is going to do better you know, quote-unquote, uh, with Zach Wilson out. But we do know that when, while Zach Wilson was out, that was kind of when Elijah Moore had his best weeks last re- last season. So I don't think you have to worry about Elijah Moore. Obviously, we do know that Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson have been building a bit of a rapport, even just watching the clips from training camp. You know, they look great. Elijah Moore's a stud. He's cemented himself as the wide receiver one. We heard a report on that about a week ago, a week or two ago. And um, Brees Hall, you know, I think he's only in line for more work if the starting quarterback would go down. You know, you lean on your – your young guys, your athletic players, Breeze Hall is exactly that. And Joe Flacco, you know, I don't, he's not really at the point in his career where he's gonna be making a ton of downfield throws. I think he's gonna be checking it down, making business decisions. It'll be the safe route, and Breeze Hall might be right in line to make to get those extra targets and extra receptions that'll actually make him maybe even more valuable because you know you won't have Zach Wilson back there scrambling, extending plays to get the ball downfield. So I don't think it hurts either of them. I think that it does. It helps them a little bit, but not that much. I think they're in a better situation in the long run with Zach Wilson at quarterback. But you know, it shouldn't be too bad if they only have to deal with Joe Flacco quarterback for two or three weeks. That shouldn't be a problem. I don't think they'll we'll have any issues with that. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, now here's another interesting one. You know, this one comes from Colts head coach Frank Reich, and he recently commented on Jonathan Taylor regarding his usage, and he suggested that his workload could potentially be reduced in twenty two twenty twenty two, saying that. Quote, I'm not saying Jonathan Taylor won't lead the league in touches, but I almost don't want him to. End quote. Is this just something we should be heeding as a warning for fantasy football, or is this Reich reassuring us that you know Taylor won't be overused and worn out early in his career?
0: I I think there is a little bit of concern here, um, just kind of following the tea leaves, because listen, he is being drafted as the overall number one player, right? So right. like that's why, right? It's not like. You know, we're concerned about him as a fantasy player. No, we're not. Like, he's going to be a stud, right? But there are so many studs and sure things and high upside guys at the top of round one. So when I hear this, like, it doesn't help Taylor's case to be the one-on-one, right? Right. You know, Frank Reich also said that teams don't win with ground and pound, okay? And and one of the reasons JT was so good last year was because he, was, he averaged almost 25 carries over the second half of the season. So, is that going to go down? Like, are they going to be more balanced? And with Matt Ryan, that can definitely be the case. So, the the Colts were... So, last year, the Colts were either leading or were in neutral game scripts, you know, at a pace that I don't think they'll be at this year. And it was a bit of an anomaly, especially for a team who, you know, who wasn't, you know, this shut-down defense, right? Um, so, and on top of that, like, JT, he wasn't overly involved in the receiving game either. So... You know, if you're looking at a guy who was kind of dependent on those game scripts, game scripts that we might not have have seen much of this year. Now I know Matt Ryan is there, so it's going to be an improved offense. But just judging by, uh, you know how the Colts were able to do it, just kind of by luck last year, um, you know, in yeah. terms of like maintaining those game scripts, um, that's kind of the reason why JT was able to like maintain 25 carries a game. Um, now I'll say this. If JT runs routes at the same rate he was running last year, which was around 50% route participation, which, by the way, like is not bad at all, he can see some more targets from Matt Ryan. Like Ryan does right. use the running back position a lot more in the pass game, and there's no doubt... They want the ball in JT's hands. So I wouldn't be surprised if we if we do see a bump up in targets for JT. Uh, even if Naheem Hines Naheem Hines gets more involved. Like Carson Wentz, I don't know how it's possible for a quarterback to be bad at throwing to the running back or inaccurate to throwing you know, but what by, by throw you know, when he throws to the running back, but that's literally right. Carson Wentz. And he showed that last year and he showed that when he was on the Eagles. So this is not a situation where like, you know, last year was not a situation that, you know, was positive for either Naheem Hines or JT. And it's possible that they left J- Naheem Hines off the field because it's like, dude, this is not going to be effective. You know, Carson Wentz, you know, isn't going to be able to get you the ball the way that, you know, we would we would like our quarterback to, which is amazing to 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 say because like he's a running back. Right. It's not like right. he's having he's having trouble throwing the ball down the field. But It is possible we see JT get some more targets, and yeah, maybe you know his his workload does come down to eighteen to twenty carries a game. But if he starts to get a few more targets per game, now then we're looking at somebody who might be even more valuable, right? Now you know who's to say that that actually happens, Um, but I think that it can potentially balance out. Um, He might want to go away from the ground and pound, but it is possible that comes with a few more targets with Matt Ryan being under center.
1: Right, and one thing that I kind of go back to, you know, you talk about maybe Jonathan Taylor picking up a few targets here or there. Uh, Earlier this offseason, and this could have easily been smoke, you know, I, I interpreted it as smoke earlier on, but Frank Reich did say to target Naeem Hines in fantasy drafts. You know, he said, I would draft him. So this kind of, you know, echoes that sentiment that, you know, Jonathan Taylor might have his workload cut a little bit. I think you're absolutely right with your argument where you say, There's plenty of other guys like Christian McCaffrey at the top of the draft. We're talking about the 101, you know, every player's on the board. There are a bunch of other guys that could have more upside than Jonathan Taylor. But Jonathan Taylor is also a sure thing. So it's a preference between security and upside, you know, where you're picking at the 101. I think that reducing his workload that little bit, it's not going to hurt him as a first-round pick, but it does kind of move him down the board for me. Not that he was at right. 101 for me to start, but it does move him down the board, you know. I think there are guys that have more upside than him at this point. I kind of put him, if he does, you know, have his workload reduced, I kind of put him in, like, Derek Henry kind of company, you know what I'm saying? That, yep. You know, like, early to mid first round. You know, they just don't have the upside, but they definitely have a floor, and, you know, they're going to be used. We know that they'll get the volume that they need. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that this shouldn't be something that we just kind of, you know, dismiss. I mean, this is a sentiment, like I said, that has kind of been echoed through the off season, regardless, you know, it's been months in between or whatever, but it seems like, you know, they do have plans to kind of take his workload down a little bit. Cause he was used at one of the highest rates last year.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned, uh, but you know, this kind of, kind of solidifies the fact that uh, I'm definitely taking CMC
1: number one. Right. Yeah, and a lot of people give you a lot of crap for that. I don't, I don't know why. You know, I, I'm with CMC 101 right there, too. I mean, at least in, you know, standard format. No super flex. But uh. our next headline comes from the Falcons. We watched Falcons rookie wide receiver first round pick Drake London go down almost immediately in Atlanta's preseason opener with a leg injury. Early indications are that he avoided serious injury, but the timetable for his return is, you know, unclear. Should we be worried about Drake London missing time earlier this season? And if he does who would be the primary beneficiary for fantasy football outside of the obvious Kyle Pitts?
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like the injury is serious. Um, And and even if he does, you know, even if this is like a meniscus tear or something, which is like the least severe of the knee injuries, um, you know, the most he'll be out is two to four weeks. So, uh, and it doesn't seem like that's the case as of right now. So it it, it does seem as though he'll be good for week one. Um, Now, in terms of who is the primary beneficiary behind Kyle Pitts, you know, you could say like Cordell Patterson, maybe uh, these quarterbacks, and we're going to hit on these quarterbacks a little bit later um, in terms of you know what they're doing in in the rushing game. Uh, more might be put on their shoulders as well. Um, so it's something to look out for. It's not like the Falcons' defense is amazing, and you know we can kind of depend on these running backs, you know, with this team to depend on their their, their running backs in their rushing game. Uh, but in terms of that, in, in, anybody else, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking at anybody else outside of those guys.
1: Right. I'm with you. I mean, Drake London, you know, he was kind of, I think they drafted him to be their savior at wide receiver because they have nobody. You know, I actually had to sit down and maybe look up these guys' names because the Falcons, they have nobody. I mean, I knew Olamide Zacchaeus was there, but um, outside of that, they, they have Brian Edwards. He came over from the Raiders. He was a lot of people's sleepers last year on the Raiders. So um, he has talent, but you know, I don't think he's going to be commanding targets like, you know, Drake London would. Kyle Pitts is the obvious beneficiary. I'm not too worried about Drake London right now at this point. You know, obviously it sucks that he went down like immediately during the preseason. It's just his first action in the NFL and he goes down. So that is somewhat concerning to me. But, you know, until it becomes a trend, I'm not worried about it. It just happens, you know, preseason. And he said it, it seems like just a tweak for his knee. It's not a big deal. If he's ready for week one, you know, I, I'm all in on him again. He could be a value because, he, like I said, outside of Kyle Pitts, you know, he's really the only guy on the offense, and he's a big target. He was really good at USC. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we don't need to worry about it just yet, but I was kind of concerned when I first heard that report. I was like, oh, man, a knee injury, you know?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. But, uh, uh, and one thing I want to mention, and I, I, we are going to go into a lot of the usages in terms of, like, uh, preseason week one and, 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 you know who, you know, who had – what type of usage but i do want to mention kyle pitts though kyle pitts was basically used as a wide receiver last year um and in this game in the in the week one preseason he was either used in the slot or he was used in line as a tight end uh for a far majority of his snaps which is exactly what you want to hear because you don't want him lining up outside against corners right you want him lining up with those mismatches on the inside um and that's where he's going to make his money uh, just just a shout out to dwayne mcFarland for that one i saw that tweet this morning um so i was i was pretty excited to hear to hear about that because Kyle Pitts, you know in the third round right it, you know he he can be a little bit scary because of the fact that you know he's he might be on a bad offense but he he can very well lead that offense in targets and uh as dwayne mentioned in that tweet he could very well be in line uh you know for th- that that tight end one
1: crown this year he has that type of upside All right, another report coming out. We have Elijah Mitchell. He also suffered a hamstring injury, and he'll be out for the entire preseason for precautionary reasons. That's what we heard from reports uh, just recently. Do you think these constant injuries are going to be an ongoing concern for Elijah Mitchell? Because, you know, we've heard about his durability being an issue before, especially last season at the end, and we've been talking about it a little bit this offseason, and now it's coming up again. So do you think this is something that we need to be, you know, thinking about, worrying about moving forward for the long run?
0: But potentially, yeah. Um, You know, he had a few last season, right? And that was part of the reason that we were foreseeing a potential rotation this year, right? And then it wasn't a rotation, and then now he gets hurt. So I I have no idea what to do with this backfield right now. Like we're going back and forth. Like I'm okay with him at his price right now, but it's going to be tough for me to avoid those wide receivers. You know, around where he's going, uh, based on all the ambiguity. You know, with whether he can stay healthy you know, whether these other backs are going to be involved, you know, unless I really need a running back in the draft around where he's going, like I only have one running back, I need an RB2, or I went completely zero RB, I have no running backs, (laughs) like, that's probably the only way that I'm going after him at that price. And I'll be going pretty heavily, you know, if that's the kind of draft strategy that I'm taking, or it just happens by circumstance. Uh, But if I'm going for a more balanced team, if I already have a couple running backs on my roster, by the time I roll around to the fifth, sixth round, I'm probably not taking
1: him. Right. And you talk about his price, you know, i would in this situation. If you already have a couple of running backs, you know, there's guys like Ramondre Stevenson going much later than him. And I actually like his upside. Now that we we're hearing reports that the Patriots might even be shopping Damien Harris. You know, that's just something that is going around. It's not necessarily going to happen, but I think that, you know, I know you like to say you target ambiguous backfields, but, um, there's a lot of ambiguity here. I don't I don't like that, you know. We're not sure if he's even going to be used the way we want him to. I mean, I heard a report the other day. We talked about, I think, that he might be the number one. He established himself as a clear number one. And now we're hearing that he has this hamstring injury. And that he might not even see the field because, you know, he's not going to see the field in preseason, you know. This could be an issue. And, you know, one of the most underrated things about fantasy football players are availability, you know. So, if he can't be avail- available, you know, there's not so much as much value to be had, especially a fifth, six round price, like you said. Um, and that's, that goes for any player with injuries, but, uh, Tyrion Davis price, you know, apparently he's been having a good camp. Trey sermon, you know, Kyle Shanahan was talking him up a little bit. So there's plenty of competition there. And I think they're happy to get more people involved. We've seen them do that before in the past. So Mitchell, he's just one of the biggest question marks going into this season. I'm avoiding him unless I'm going zero RB, which I have, like you said, um, I, I'm not – this isn't something I wasn't expecting, no. You know, like I kind of anticipated an injury coming up. Um, I, I I hope he starts week one. You know, I want him to do well, but I just I, – I'm not sure that's going to happen now, you know, the way things are going. Also, we just wanted to mention that both Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are dealing with soft tissue injuries right now. And we just want to mention that, you know, Sean McVay did say that neither will practice until they can be at full speed. They don't sound like major injuries. And now we're going to move into our preseason week one recap. What you guys came here to listen to—the main segment for today's episode—and we're going to start. We're just going to be going over all the headlines that we're hearing. You know, performances that we saw that were encouraging, not so encouraging, and we're going to tell you what it means for fantasy football. So we're going to start with Damian Pierce. He rushed five times for 48 yards in his limited action in a Texans preseason opener. Looked super efficient, averaged just about nine yards a carry. What do you think about Damian Pierce?
0: Well, you know I love him, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, now it, it was against backups, right? Uh, right. But still, he averaged almost ten yards of carry, so like there's nothing to scoff at. Uh, he didn't play with the first team, uh, but there is still time for Pierce to leap to first on the depth chart. Marlon Matt got all the early down work with the first team, um, you know, and Dario Okemba he got the passing down work with the first team. Rex Burkhead didn't play; he got the he got the night off, so he presumably has the passing down job right now Um, but I'm still taking shots on Pierce you know around the 11th 12th round like I believe in his talent Uh, I think he'll eventually win that early down job at the very least I also believe he has pass catching ability so now now, I'm not sure he wins the job uh, from Rex Burkhead but Rex like he isn't the epitome of health and he's old he's like 33 years old already so you know it's possible that he isn't available for a chunk of the season right now, can Pierce beat Ogunbowale if Burkhead were to go down? Like, I hope so, <laughs> right? Ogunbowale right. isn't anything, like, too special. He's a good third down back, but n- nothing great. Uh, and one thing you notice about Damian Pierce, like, in this game again, and in the Senior Bowl and in the camp, common theme, he's a great pass blocker, okay? So mm-hmm. he's, he's probably the best rookie pass blocker among all these running backs, uh, all these rookie running backs that came in. So – he has that chance, so I'm taking a shot on him. I know the Texans' offense isn't super inspiring, um, but I, I think there is an opportunity for him. He could potentially be this year's James Robinson.
1: Right, and that would be awesome if he could do that. And you mentioned his pass blocking ability. You know, that's an easy ticket to get on the just be on the field. You know, get those snaps. So if he can pass block, you know, that'll get him on the field, and then he could be in line for even more production. Uh, if you watch just you know his five carries that he had in the game. He looked explosive. He was hitting the hole. He was running hard, you know, churning for extra yards. He looked really good. Um, I think that his 11-12 price is going to move up at this point. You know, I saw a report that it's become pretty clear that, you know, the Texans wouldn't be fielding their best offense if Damian Pierce, you know, wasn't the starting running back by week one. And I'd like to echo that sentiment because, uh, (laughs) you know, he looked awesome in the preseason. Granted, it is against backups, but he's young, you know, and – He could end up being a huge, huge value going into the season because, I mean, nobody was even really drafting him until, you know, he started lighting up a camp and now this is just, you know, more fuel of the fire. He looked great. If he, if he didn't look good, you know, then we might've been thinking, okay, you know, committee as usual, but this performance kind of has me, you know, I'm hoping, you know, it kind of has me hopeful that he could take over a majority, even if it is just 60% of snaps, you know, like he could get enough work that he could be a a good fantasy contributor, like a solid running back too. maybe that might be his ceiling for this year. But, um, anywhere in the RB two range would be, you know, huge return on investment for a 12th round running back.
0: 100%.
1: All right. So here's another guy that we love seeing this weekend, George Pickens. He may have had the highlight catch of the weekend, capping off a three reception, 43 yard, one touchdown day against the Seattle Seahawks in the week, one of the preseason. That was a barn burner of a game high scoring, one of the high scoring that I've seen preseason recently, what do we think of George Pickens kind of carving out himself a role immediately on this offense?
0: Well, first of all, he looks like he's going to be a stud, right? Like, right. He, It looks like he's catching up like as a serious fantasy contributor, just an overall contributor to this Steelers offense. Uh, now, will he be a consistent fantasy contributor this year, right? You look at that QB situation, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know. Trubisky started, but Kenny Pickett came in, Looked pretty good against backups, right? What was his stat line again?
1: So he had 13 and 15, you know, which is really just laser accurate, especially for a rookie in the preseason. But um, 95 yards, two touchdowns on the field. He looked really good.
0: Yeah. So, you know, listen, it's good to take bets on talent, right, When, when we're talking about pickings here, especially late in drafts. Like, we've seen very good wide receivers have very good fantasy years, you know, with not so great quarterback situations. It happens. So, Even if the consistency isn't there, it might be worth taking a shot on these type of guys who are standing out in camp, standing out in preseason, making spectacular catches in both. Um, And on top of that, they were already touted as great prospects, right? So check, check, check. Like these are the type of guys that you kind of want to go after despite uh, a potentially bad uh, quarterback situation. I mean, you know, the Steelers offense is one that, you know, you can kind of depend on for, you know, probably kind of stepping up and being better than what the quarterback situation kind of entails cuz you know you know they're going to have a good coaching staff you know that they're going to you know have a a pretty solidified foundation in terms of that um you know that uh that entire organization so you know you can kind of prop them up a little bit um but listen like <laughs> it, it, if you, it, it, there's no way at this point can anyone say, like, eh, I'm not I'm not really interested in George Pickens this year? Like, he's he's right. the guy who has been lighting it up this offseason.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, you're talking about maybe Steelers outperforming what might be expected given their quarterback uh, situation. I kind of, you know, credit that they have a really good defense that's going to keep them in games, and that might actually make, you know, the offense a little bit more competitive. Um, George Pickens, you know, him kind of popping off and emerging as a really – you know, just a big target and, you know, someone that's going to be involved in the offense. I think that's all the more reason to shove, you know, someone that you you were big on down a little bit more, and that's Deontay Johnson, you know. I'm not saying George Pickens is Deontay Johnson or he's going to be taking a humongous target share, but now we have George Pickens actually emerging as a legit target. Chase Claypool's already there. We know Najee Harris is getting a bunch of carries, and I've been pounding the table on this that Deontay Johnson, you know, he's not the most secure thing that, to invest in at his current price. The QB situation's all over the place. Mitch Trubisky looked just just as good as Kenny Pickett. You know, it could go any way. There's gonna be not there's not going to be much continuity at the quarterback position. You know, I, I'm I'm I might shove Deontay Johnson down my ranks a little bit more because of this. Because George Pickens, you know, he looks like an alpha. He looks like an X receiver. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that there's definitely a lot to be taken from this. But George Pickens, you know, absolutely. They might've hit it. I saw someone, it might've been Ian Harditz. I'm not sure that put it out. Uh, someone at PFF, I forget exactly who it was, but they said George Pickens looked like a steal on draft day. And now he looks like a steal in the preseason, you know? So I think this is absolutely just awesome. George Pickens has a chance to really, you know, make a name for himself in the fantasy community this year.
0: Yeah, 100 percent, man. And yeah, it's very tough to draft Deontay Johnson right now, especially with him, you know, starting late in camp and all that. We know that he's going to be a good player, but, you know, now he's starting late. You know, these guys, you know, have a rapport with with these with the guys who have been available and Pickens is looking good and Pickens can potentially have a high target share as soon as week one. Right. So, so yeah, you know, um, it's possible that Deontay Johnson isn't going to be hyper targeted and get the 160, 170 targets that, you know, he would have got if a guy like Pickens
1: didn't deserve targets himself. Another headline we have the hype surrounding Isaiah Pacheco. It appears to be real. You know, we've been talking about him a little bit on the show, but um, the rookie got some work with the first team offense and with Patrick Mahomes on the field, which is huge. His stat line wasn't really anything to behold, but he's clearly ascended the depth chart this offseason. I know you kind of been, you know, harping on Isaiah Pacheco being the guy, and now it's kind of, you know, coming to fruition. So, what do we think of Isaiah Pacheco here in the Chiefs' backfield?
0: Yeah, obviously still on my radar for sure. Um, now in this preseason game, he was behind C.E.H. and ahead of Jarek McKinnon in the pecking order this past week. So, and that's with the first team. So it, it's so a very he's very possibly already the R.B. two and second on the depth chart behind C.E.H. So he he's rising quickly right now. So right. there's no doubt I am taking shots on him for sure, I, I, as we spoke about la- on last week's podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and we've seen you know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he hasn't been like this awesome talent. You know, he's not someone that I'm thinking if if Isaiah Pacheco outperforms Ceh, I don't think the Chiefs are going to you know hold back. They're not going to keep um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the field like Dallas maybe would Ezekiel Elliott. You know, um, I think that. Pacheco has a real chance. I mean, you know, I I don't, you don't want to speculate too much, but if his talent is there, you know, he could be, you know, one A to Clyde edwards layer one B if things fall the right way. He's been tearing it up, and we saw him. He's working with the ones he got on the field with Patrick Mahomes, which is always a good thing, you know, for any fantasy asset. If you're on the field with Patrick Mahomes, good for you and good for your owner because it's just he he will find a way to get you the ball, and it it's a very dynamic offense. And um, we haven't really seen a good running back come from this Chiefs offense yet, which kind of has me a little leery about it. But, you know, Pacheco seems to be a a different case. You know, he seems to be built for an offense that's air attack like Kansas City's.
0: Yeah, and he he has been involved in both the the run game and the receiving game. It seems like he's a guy that they want the ball in his hands. Uh, Opposed to Ceh. it's like, Why do you want to bring Ch on the field? Like, what is he doing for Mm -hmm. it? Right, like he's shown zero explosiveness. Like he doesn't show any playmaking ability. Uh, You know, is he? Can he be reliable? Maybe, sure, but so far in his career, he has shown to be a jag, which is just a guy, and he hasn't done any more than that. Um, So there's definitely an opportunity here for Pacheco to grab the reins, Um, and I think I think everyone knows it at this
1: point, and he's rising quick absolutely there's been some disappointment with travis Etienne. he had a key drop pass and he wasn't really looking as sharp with 2.6 yards per carry should we be concerned you know he's coming off that foot injury that held him out all of last season and there's been a lot of hype surrounding him but you know this didn't really line up with all that hype so what, what do we think should we be concerned
0: no we shouldn't be concerned in fact we should be delighted with his usage uh he played on 22 of 25 snaps with the first team he was in the field in every situation and he saw 12 opportunities (laughs) okay so like i'm very excited for etn and what he can bring to the table this year uh even with even if james robinson you know gets healthy at some point and takes some of that early down work away from him there's gonna be plenty of opportunity for etn uh he's gonna be very involved in both aspects of the game uh you know and He's a big back, too. So, you know, it's possible that if he takes the, the complete reins and is the 1A, uh, it's very possible that he can see goal line work as well. So I am I am in on ETN. Uh, I'm targeting him, you know, whenever, you know, he's on the board and I, and I don't have to reach too much. Uh, I'm, I'm grabbing him every single time.
1: Right. I don't think we should be concerned either. You know, I'm not as big of a Travis ETN guy maybe as you are, but, you know, I think that there's no reason to be concerned it's a week one of the preseason and you're right the usage is encouraging now whether his usage being so high is because james robinson wasn't available you know um i'm not sure if that's a thing um that we should be uh considering you know but um he 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 has the chops definitely to do what we need him to do as far as fantasy goes i want to see how he looks with trevor lawrence more you know See how their connection goes. Because we saw them in college. They were very good together. And, you know, preseason, it's hard to see anything translate. They were only on the field for, what was it, a drive or two? Something like that. So, like I said, not as big on Travis Etienne as you are. But I don't think there's any reason reason to be concerned yet. You know, if he keeps showing the inefficiency the rest of the preseason, if he does play and into the season, then maybe it's time to worry about it. But, um, you know, it's his first action since... Um, you know the injury and even you know he's been out of football for a pretty long time so i'm not concerned about it
0: yeah yeah no for sure and you know it's just super encouraging the fact that you know he was he did have a foot injury and they were willing to give him this much work you know right away in week 1 of preseason um and yeah like you know what what i like about this is that they they he had him they had him on the field in every situation and they it seems like they're they're happy with the fact that they're happy with him potentially taking a to, uh, having a big workload on early downs as well and getting those carries, um, so you know James Robinson is going to have a, have a role, but I don't see it being super significant, especially if Etienne is able to command a large portion uh, of that target share.
1: Right, that receiving work you know is key, I think, to Travis Etienne's production, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah.
0: For sure, especially on so, that offense, that's <laughs> what you want. Yeah,
1: absolutely, right. And they, they'll probably be throwing it a lot. You know, I'm not anticipating yeah. the Jaguars being you no know, competitive just yet, so that might actually you know work in his favor. Right. But uh, if we're talking about other running backs. You know, Antonio Gibson. You know, he might be the biggest loser of the weekend. Uh, he ran four times for two yards and he lost a fumble in his limited action, and it just was not a good day for him. Brian Robinson. You know, kind of he did pretty well. He he showed out a little bit. He did receiving, he caught a couple passes, you know, and he didn't drop the ball, so that was good for Brian Robinson, but Antonio Gibson's stock just seems to be on the plunge this whole offseason, and this this might be a new low. How you feel about Antonio Gibson moving into the season?
0: And he, and he lost a couple fumbles, like, recently in, in training camp, too, like, on the same right. day. <laughs> so, like, this is not good, and we know that this has been a problem for him as well. He got benched before for fumbling. This is not the first time that this has happened, so... After he fumbled, he went to the bench. Brian Robinson came in. He played the early down role in Gibson's absence with the first team on a long-ass drive, and then Gibson came back in later with the second team. That was not right. good, okay? Uh, Robinson, you know, is someone we're going to have to start paying attention to, but at the same time, this backfield can be a bit of a mess if everyone stays healthy, right? Like, I don't think that Gibson will just go straight to the bench and then, you know— it's 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 brian robinson it's a brian robinson show on early downs and gibson doesn't have a role at all i doubt that happens but is it possible that you know it gets to a point where robinson is getting almost equal amount of touches as gibson that would be a death blow to gibson's fantasy value so he's right. definitely someone to stay away from
1: yeah i've been staying away from him the whole time i mean we had uh plenty of weeks last season where you know jd mckissick even you know looked like the better back out of the backfield especially from a fantasy perspective you know catching passes um, you know, Gibson looked promising, you know, to start his career, but as things have been going this this uh offseason, first it started with, you know, Antonio Gibson's going to be the guy, and then it switched to Ron Rivera saying that it's gonna be more of a committee, and now we're hearing about these fumbling issues and we saw firsthand, you know, the concerns just coming coming to fruition, manifesting themselves in, in the uh preseason action. So Antonio Gibson, I said he I think he's my biggest loser of the weekend because it just was not his day but at the same time there's brian robinson who they drafted and they clearly like because they've been talking him up a little bit you know in camp and he's looked good in camp uh this is not the time for antonio gibson to kind of be doing this if he wants to keep his uh, workload uh like i said jd mckissick too i think this could easily become the jd mckissick you know brian robinson show back and forth like that and antonio gibson is just kind of you know in there as an extra guy Antonio Gibson seems to be trending towards like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire role, I think. Because, you know, he's not this excellent talent. I mean, he's shown he can be explosive, but we haven't seen it. He drops the ball. It's just, I'm not targeting him at all. I saw him, you know, we were at the Fantasy Expo going in drafts at like the fourth round, which is like crazy to me. I can't believe people are taking him that high. So um, I'm staying away too. I, I, I don't like Antonio Gibson at all this season. Flip the coin in the NFC's division. And we're looking at Jalen Hurts. This was the complete opposite of a uh, Antonio Gibson day. Jalen Hurts was perfect. He completed all six of his pass attempts for 80 yards and a touchdown. In his limited work, it looked great. Um, there's not much more you can really say besides that this was a really great performance for him, and it's really promising for the fantasy season. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, uh, you know the fact that you know Jalen Hurts has so many haters, and you know right. it just kind of kind of makes me happy that, you know, he's starting the year off pretty well. And I'm hoping it continues, you know, into the regular season. This offense is going to be good, okay? They have the weapons. Uh, You know, Hurts' dual threat ability is going to make this team dangerous, uh, especially the offense. So, you know, he's going to be a top-five fantasy quarterback this year. And I'm aiming to grab him in the sixth round more often than not when he's available, especially when I have a solid number of running backs and wide receivers. And, you know, if I have a couple of each, I think I'm perfectly fine you know, taking the shot on Hurts, uh, in the in the sixth round because he's there more often than not. So, right, I, I'm am I'm. I'm I, this is kind of what we thought was gonna happen. You know, we knew that they were gonna have a more balanced offense this year. And listen, like AJ Brown, you know, c- you know, and him have a real connection. Dallas Goddard had that touchdown.
1: So I'm looking at Jalen Hurts in this Eagles offense to definitely take a step forward, especially in the passing game right absolutely and that's what we kind of been calling for you know just even just a slight step forward in the passing game for Jalen Hurts would make him you know like fide top five you know fantasy star quarterback and I think that's what we kind of have on our hands here especially with like you said AJ Brown being there he's he's great after the catch so all you got to do is get in his hands and Jalen Hurts is going to reap the benefits of AJ Brown working after the catch um, he's explosive you know Jalen Hurts has that dual threat ability I think this is exactly the performance that, you know, e- fantasy football fans and Eagles fans were looking for alike. You know, they wanted some sort of assurance that they're in good hands in the passing game. And I think Jalen Hurts, you know, passed that test with flying colors. And I was sure. actually calling for that. I- I'm a bigger fan of Jalen Hurts than people might think. Um, I am a Cowboys fan, but I love Jalen Hurts. And I think that this is going to be an awesome offense, especially for fantasy football. You talk about, you know, the weapons, obviously, A.J. Brown, but also. They have an excellent offensive line still, and that correlates a ton with good quarterback play. So I think that we're looking at, like you said, top five quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if you know he's in contention for QB1 overall, um, assuming that this offense kind of goes the way that we're expecting it to. I'm with you. And then speaking of rushing QBs, the Falcons have two dual-threat QBs, Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. Mariota got the start. He got pulled early, but he did have some design rushes. Could Mariota be a fantasy contributor this year? You know, with his running ability.
0: I think either can be fantasy contributors. I, I think Mariota, you know, either him or Ritter. Like I think Mariota now becomes a legit quarterback two option in superflex leagues. Like we're seeing some design rushes, right. right? And that's what we want to see from a fantasy perspective. Like we know he's capable. Of that uh, his only concern is his arm, uh, but this often might, this offense might be more catered around allowing these guys to run the ball. Like especially considering that both of them other type of quarterbacks to do that right so you know you yeah. kind of install one offense if Mariota gets hurt or struggles and Ritter kind of comes in you can kind of run the same offense right uh so mm-hmm. you look at the stat lines here Mariota had 23 rushing yards and a touchdown on three carries Ritter had 59 rushing yards on six carries right so these yeah. are type these are fantasy relevant quarterbacks like when you look at those numbers so uh and we should pay attention to that you know not as top 12 guys obviously but as QB twos or streaming options at some point this year
1: right absolutely and i i didn't you know i didn't really anticipate desmond ritter coming out and you know rushing for 59 yards and six carries that i wasn't sure what his running ability looked like but you know he showed me that this is definitely a streaming option should anything happen to mariota and we know mariota he isn't he hasn't been the most durable He he has had some injuries in his career but um it doesn't have to boil down to an injury putting desmond ritter on the field If Mariota doesn't play well, this team obviously knows. I don't think, I think they know that they're not going to be contending this year. And if they want to see what they have in Desmond Ritter, you know, he could be a really good just streaming option if he does catch a start here or there, you know, in relief of Mariota, just so they can see what they have. Um, I do like Mariota though. You know, I think he's a safer QB two than other guys like you know, Mitch Trubisky's kind of going in that range. And once you get into that ADP where it's Mitch Trubisky on the board, even Baker Mayfield on the board. You know, you're not sure exactly who's going to be starting. I think Mariota is your best bet. I mean, unless he really tanks and his performance falls off um, in these next two weeks in the preseason, I think that we're looking at, at least for the first five weeks, I think he'll have that uh, starting job locked up and that you'll have a streaming option there the first five weeks.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, man. Um, All right, I'm going to get into a couple more players who I think stood out uh, this preseason week one. And the first guy I want to talk about is Juju. And I want to mention him because it seems like he's a clear every-down player for the Chiefs right now. He played every snap with the first team. Uh, MVS played the second-most snaps, followed by McCall Hardman. Now, Hardman only came in when the Chiefs were in 11 personnel, right? And Sky Moore came in right after the first team came off the field. Uh, So the hope is that he can replace Hardman in three wide receiver sets. Um, So Hardman might be in a little bit of trouble. Like we we've seen Hardman not really do, you know not really do his thing when he had opportunity, um, and you know when that opportunity came up, you know he didn't always come through. So and we've seen right. Sky Moore, you know do his thing in camp, and it seems like he's a rising star there. Um, so it's very possible that Sky Moore can take his job. I don't think Sky Moore is going to take Juju's job or MVS's job. I think MVS you know came there for a reason to stretch the field, um, you know, and he's always going to have that role. But uh, Sky Moore seems like somebody who could potentially, you know, <laughs> push McCall Hartman down to wide receiver four. Uh, but as of right now, it seems
1: like Juju is the guy to have on the Chiefs. Right. I, I, think you're, I think you're right with that. I think it is interesting to note, though, that he didn't get any targets. I think that might be scaring some people away. They'll be like, oh, you know, Juju didn't get any targets. Is it really going to be used? Because he was on the field with Patrick Mahomes the whole time and he didn't get a look. I don't think that's anything to worry about you know Mahomes makes plays you know and he finds who's open it's not that Juju might not have been open it's just the way that the cards fell you know Mahomes is just trying I think they have really ultimately just wanted to get the offense on there get them a quick run through so they get the you know the oil flowing back through the offensive engine and then pull them off you know they get their cadence and they're good I'm not worried about him not getting a target um I think Juju is definitely a guy we've seen his talent I think if he's going to return through the form that we saw in his first year where he was operating alongside antonio brown you know it's going to be patrick mahomes to bring him there I, i'm not i don't have any worries about it even though his you know his usage was there he was on the he was on the field a lot but i don't have any worries about him not getting a target the first week
0: i agree and i have my wide receiver 30 in my last set of rankings and he's definitely moving up for sure and he might right. be moving up
1: close to wide receiver two level his upside's much higher than where he's going right now so get him yep. while you can <laughs>
0: for sure. Um, all right, another guy, Jahan Dotson. Uh we got some clarity on how Washington is going to use their wide receivers. A couple of weeks ago we were talking about, well, you know, we'll see who is actually in the slot, who's on the outside. So Dotson actually played as the primary perimeter wide receiver opposite Terry McLaurin in week one. And Samuel played in the slot. Now the good thing is right. that about this for Dotson is that even when the commanders are going to be in two wide receiver sets, he's going to be the one on the field, okay? So he's going to be a, a every-down player, potentially. So if you were targeting Dotson like we are, this is great news. So Dotson is going off the board in the 14th round of 12-team drafts. So I'm going to continue to target Dotson, um, you know, as I've been doing. Uh, you know, the fact that he's already beating out Curtis Samuel, you know, in two wide receiver sets, it shows a lot already. So – yeah. Yes, so I'm targeting. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely targeting Dotson <laughs> in the 14th right. round of 12 team drafts. Uh, no doubt about it. If he's beating Curtis Samuel already, you know, he he's definitely somebody to to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, if he's beating like you like you said, if he's beating Curtis Samuel, that says something a lot. I never really saw Curtis Samuel as like you know a wide receiver too. I've seen him as a gadget receiver, and that's about it. And I think he can flourish in that role, but um, I I expect the Jahan Dotson to be the number two simply because, you know, my first thought was that he would be the wide receiver too, simply because he was taken with a first-round pick. You know, I don't think Washington took him in the first round to have him sit and do nothing, you know, be off the field 50% of the time. I anticipated him getting a good workload, and this looks like it's it's happening now. So, he kind of reminds me, you know of almost like uh, uh, not so much size comparison but it seems like he's going to be like a Tyler Lockett I think he's going to end up being a very quarterback friendly receiver and that's going to be awesome because he's just solid all around he didn't wow you with his athleticism but he is just you know technique is good uh, we saw that he was on the field for most of the snaps he's obviously earned his time on the field and he's going to see that time he's going to see opportunity this year and in the 14th round you can't go wrong this guy is just a, he's a first round talent that is going in the 14th round. You know, Carson Wentz, he's not an excellent quarterback, but, you know, it's, it's much better than what Washington's had in the past. And I think he'll be able to spread it out, especially with Terry McLaurin on the other side.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and, and you said that uh, they didn't take a guy in the first round, you know, just to see 50% of snaps. Well, moving on to Traylon and Burks, uh, he didn't <laughs> see a snap until the second half of his game, uh, which is a little head-scratching and a little concerning right, right now. Uh, I'd make sure to keep an eye on that. And for everyone who says that, you know, this can be a Jamar Chase situation, not being able to catch balls type situation in the preseason, it's not that. Okay, it's not. Right. Like Number one, Burks is not even close to the prospect Chase was. Okay. And number Mm -hmm. two, Burks isn't playing with the first team. He's not playing with the second team. Like, for real. Like, even with Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook-Akina not playing in that first preseason game, he didn't play until the second half, okay. He didn't see he didn't see the field until the third quarter, okay. So that should be a little concerning, okay. It's definitely a slow start at the very least. Um, so you know, keep that in mind. Like I know Traylon Burks, they're, they're gonna need him to kind of catch the ball. They're gonna need him to you know have that offense going. So that's what he has going for him right now. That this offense needs him, you know, to do something in the pass game because they don't have anyone else outside of like Robert Woods. So right, listen. If Westbrook-Akina, you know, is, is getting the night off, you know, and you're not playing until the third quarter, there's reason to be concerned here, okay? From a dynasty perspective, I'm not worried yet,
1: okay? Redraft perspective, a little concerned. And, you know, you talk about, you know, people comparing this to the Jamar Chase situation, you know. In order to miss the ball, you need the ball to be thrown to you. And Draylon <laughs> Burks is not getting the ball thrown to him. So how could this possibly be a Jamar Chase situation? I think you're absolutely right. The usage is really concerning. And, you know, this is the guy that a lot of people had pegged to just be, like, the instant replacement for A.J. Brown after that trade went down. You know, I, I wasn't expecting uh, the Titans to turn around and take Traylon Burks right there after they traded A.J. Brown. You know, I thought maybe they'd address it a little bit later. But, you know, I thought, you know what, maybe this is the guy to do that. And clearly, the Titans haven't liked what they've seen so far. Uh, they did hand him the ball once. He picked up four yards. That was about it. So... I'm not really sure what to expect because, you know, the production was not there. The usage was not there. We've been hearing all these reports about his conditioning not being good enough and that kind of thing. So, you know, at, at draft night, it seemed like, wow, this is a guy that has potential to be, you know, offensive rookie of the year. You know, he could be a really great fantasy contributor, best chance to produce early on out of all the rookie receivers. And now suddenly it's like he's buried on a depth chart, like you said, behind Nick Westbrook-Akina. Who's that? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I, I, I'm definitely concerned. This is big, yeah, big problem. For sure. now, and I'm, I'm I, I will say alarm.
0: this though, yeah, no, for sure. And I will say this though, okay, um, I'm probably not drafting him, okay, but right. I am gonna be looking out for the guys who do. And he doesn't perform week one, week two, week three, he gets dropped, right? I'm right. gonna be looking at those snap counts. How is is that increasing? You know, is he having a good week of practice? Potentially he could be a waiver wire pickup, you know, if, if he gets dropped, right? Uh, right? It's it's very possible. Like we, we, we saw with Justin Jefferson, right? Justin Jefferson his yeah. first year, you know, he was not – I'm not saying he's on that level in terms of a prospect because he's not, but there was a situation where, West, where Justin Jefferson was not playing a full-time role until about week three or so, and then that's where he started to go off uh, in his rookie year. So, you know. Sometimes there are slow starts but it doesn't mean that he can't have a, a fast finish aJ brown he I don't think he had a full-time role under the same head coach by the way Arthur Smith no All right uh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry uh Mike Vab- Mike, Mike right yeah. yeah uh he didn't he didn't have a full-time start a full-time game until like week nine or week ten it was like it was closer closer to the end of the season and then he showed out the rest of the year so keep a lookout for trailing Burks don't completely forget about him don't write him off. But on draft night, not somebody I might be looking at. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the next guy. Uh, now, remember how we were hoping for David Njoku to see a full, a near full wrap participation with Austin, yeah. Austin Hooper gone? Like, well, it seems like that might happen because in the Browns' first preseason game, he was on the field for every snap with the first team. So that's right. awesome. That's what you want for a tight end. That is the number one thing you're looking for for a tight end breakout. Okay uh with Deshaun Watson he'll be great okay but even with a guy like Jacoby Brissett, if Deshaun Watson doesn't play just uh, Jacoby Brissett has been known to target his tight end when he was on the Colts and if they bring in Jimmy G from the 49ers he's also been known to target his tight end although he had George Kittle so right that, yeah. that might not be a great data point uh <laughs> but it, <laughs> but w- we know that at least these quarterbacks can make their tight ends uh do their thing so you know, I think David Njoku is somebody to, to to keep an eye out on. He was definitely one of the guys that we were looking at, you know, as a late-round tight end target, uh, and he remains so. And he continues, and he's rising now after week one preseason. Uh, a guy that we were targeting also, Albert O, his usage was a little bit uh, concerning because the entire first-team offense had the week off. But he was the only mm-hmm. guy playing, and he played the whole first half, and he didn't get targeted. So, I want to continue to see what's going on with him. Like, I'm not off of him just yet because he is the starter. (laughs) He is the starting tight end. He's going to be (laughs) the guy on the field when they're passing the ball. Um, So, I'm not overly concerned. Maybe they just wanted to kind of get see what his conditioning is is like maybe because he's never played that full-time role before, right? So, it's possible that they just wanted to kind of get him that run in because last year, you know, Noah Fant was the guy getting most of that run, right? And Albert O, you know, was kind of on the bench. So, uh, it's possible they just want to kind of get his get that run in. Something that I'm going to, you know, not overly concerned about, but something to point out.
1: Right. Um, going back like what you said about David Njoku, you know, I feel like we've just kind of been waiting on him to finally break out every year he's in the league because he has the talent. You know, um, they signed him to this big contract. You know, I think that his usage in the first preseason game uh, really, re- really reinforces the fact that they want to get him involved in the offense, which is awesome to see. And this might be the year. But um, you know the quarterback situation is a little bit concerning. But I think that the end of, at the end of the day, it's it's David Njoku and it's Amari Cooper, and you know that's about it for the passing game as far as for me, fantasy value wise. You know those are the two guys that I'd be t- targeting there, um, and Njoku could very well you know lead lead um out of between Amari Cooper and David Njoku. David Njoku could lead them in targets, I think, because he's pretty much like an oversized wide receiver at the tight end. He's super athletic. And I think that he could really be a good red zone threat for them. Um, and like you said, with Albert O, his usage was a little concerning. You know, I'm a big Albert O guy. That was a little, you know, suspect. I think that usage kind of has me a little worried. And, you know, he said the whole first team offense got the night off and he was still out there playing. That's something that could be interpreted as concerning, but you also said like you know could just see could just be to see how he handles full you know 100% snaps all snaps ha- handle every play on the field um like i said all this stuff you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because it's just the first week of preseason but yeah you know sure. it, it it's an interesting it's an interesting indicator of how they plan to use him and i mean i i want to see how he how things go next week or even maybe if Russell Wilson and the first team offense gets on the field by the third week of the preseason you know we'd like to see that
0: yeah, we, and we'll see. Like, if he's on the field with them too, great. <laughs> right? That's, right, it, yeah. That will kind of, like, quiet our uh, yeah, any concerns that we have. And I think that's going to be the case, right? Because they have a rookie behind him. We're fans of the rookie. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, they, these rookie tight ends, like, they don't really make a huge impact usually. Although Isaiah Likely, right, he, he's somebody, you know, who's really making a name for himself, you know, in camp, in preseason, making spectacular plays in this preseason game. Uh, One of the most athletic tight ends to come out uh, this this season for sure. Uh, Pure pass-catching guy. Uh, So, you know, I'm very interested in him. If Mark Andrews were ever to go down with an injury, Isaiah likely, man. Like, he's going to be a hot name off the waiver wire for sure.
1: Likely to be coming off the waiver wire quickly.
0: Very likely. (laughs) Very likely. Uh, (laughs) All right. So, you know, now moving to Chicago, there has been some talk that there can potentially be a rotation behind David Montgomery. Uh, who had the night off, but that's not doesn't seem to be the case right now. Uh, Khalil Herbert played every single snap with the first team in Week One, including passing downs. Um, so you know Tristan Ebner, you know who has Flash in camp as a pass catcher out of the backfield, uh, was a threat to that right. Where right if Montgomery were to get hurt, you know even even <laughs> even the the pass snaps for Montgomery was a little bit of a concern with Ebner, but Ebner, you know as of right now he's still behind these guys. He only came in with the second team. So that is good news for both David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert as a potential three down handcuff.
1: Right. And that's exactly what I'm looking for in Khalil Herbert. You know, I'm not thinking that he's going to be taking a bunch of passing work. It's not like, you know, David Montgomery's the ground guy and Khalil Herbert's the passing game guy. Now, David Montgomery, like we said, is He's still a workhorse. It's just he's one of the cheapest ones out there as far as draft price goes. I I mean, you know, we've seen Khalil Khalil Herbert do his thing. You know, when David Montgomery, you know, needs time off the field, you know, Khalil Herbert comes back on and he's done his thing. But I think that's what he is. He he reminds me of like Alexander Madison in terms of his role, because he'll come on the field once in a while. You know, he looks good. Not great. He's not bad. And you just kind of have him on your bench as a handcuff in case, and he'll turn in like a a running back two a week for you every once in a while. Um, He wasn't, you know, it wasn't like fantastic what he did in the preseason. We saw his production was kind of modest for the usage that he did get, but um, I'm not, there's no reason to be concerned or overly excited about him. I think his kind of stock has stayed exactly the same, and it's kind of what I expected.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it went up for me a little bit, to be honest with you, because... I okay. I wasn't 100% I, – I wasn't drafting him anywhere um, because, you know, he's one of the late round, like super late round handcuff that you can get. Just like David Montgomery is a late workhorse, he's also a very right. late handcuff, right? So when you're looking at the end of drafts, I wasn't super excited to take him, uh, even though I like taking handcuffs, especially in best ball, because if David Montgomery were to get hurt, you know, that guy is going to be a plug-and-play for you. Um, because right. I was concerned that there could be a little bit of a, you know, uh, a modification to how they use those guys if Montgomery were to go down because, listen, this is a new coaching staff, right? And a fifth round, I think it was fifth round, right? Like, the, I think that's where, uh, you know, he was drafted, Herbert. So – or, or right. sixth round, if I'm not mistaken. So, I think uh, it, you yeah. know, something like that. But the, the point is that the, these coaches have zero allegiance to this guy, right? Like, it wasn't them who drafted yeah. him. So – it's not like it's you know, so it seems to me like Herbert has actually been putting in the work and has proved that he should continue to stay you know as that every down uh handcuff to David Montgomery which is great all right moving on to the next guy uh Isaiah McKenzie you know we've been talking about him over the last couple of weeks uh now he had the night off which is great he didn't play right so yeah. that's awesome uh that be but Jameson Crowder did right uh It looks like McKenzie might be the clear starter right now uh, out of the slot. And and it's possible that Jamison Crowder is actually just competing with Khalil Shakir for the number two slot job. And Khalil Shakir, by the way, he's continuing to impress. You know, he's one of the guys who stood out to me at the Senior Bowl. He's going to be a good receiver, man. I just have this really, really good feeling about Shakir. And, um, you know, it's possible that Shakir ends up beating Crowder (laughs) for that number two slot job, which would be amazing. Crowder is, you know, he's been in the league for a while and Shakir is very young, so it's possible we see something like that. Uh but I, I have a feeling that Shakir at some point this year, even, he he's gonna he's gonna make some noise even for fantasy, you know, even if it's just a couple games. Um But right. yeah, this is good news for McKenzie right now, for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you, you know, I think that you hit the nail on the head with that one. Isaiah McKenzie not playing kind of solidifies his role as, you know, a starter and his starting slot. They wouldn't put him in there if they didn't um wanna have him as part of the offense but i think that you know you talk about khalil shakir kind of getting off of isaiah mckenzie but you know i think that you look at his production he had a like monster day kind of right playing play in the preseason like that was awesome and i think i don't think you're gonna get that kind of production uh out of jamison crowder at this point in his career not that he can't be efficient you know he started in washington so he didn't have much notoriety and he just kind of worked as a slot receiver you know he was good not great but um I think Khalil Shakir. I, I would give him the shot, and I actually have. If I was going to bet on who's going to be taking that role between them two, it, it would be Khalil Shakir. Like you said, uh, you said you liked him out of the senior bowl, and you know you. I watched his tape. He looked really good, but Isaiah McKenzie. I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion now. He's going to be the starting slot receiver, and that's an excellent spot to be in. Like I said, if he can have some Cole Beasley type days where he just gets randomly targeted fourteen, fifteen times a game, like you know, good for him. That's going to be. Excellent. That's what we're looking for. And, you know, you've had him pinned as a sleeper for a while. So this might be you kind of speaking this into existence.
0: I hope so. Listen, Khalil Shakir, he went five for 92, man. And that's my guy. Yeah. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you (laughs) know, I I talked to him at the senior bowl, you know, and we got, we got cool. And I'm so happy that he put up these type of numbers week one. I just want him to succeed. And like, you know, he, you never know, man, you know, at the end of, at the end of this year, um, he could potentially be, a breakout player for the Bills. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like, I know Isaiah McKenzie, you know, has the job right now, and I know that he could be talented. He could do his thing with the opportunity that he's given right now. But with Khalil Shakir, I know Khalil Shakir had a slow start too to camp because I know he was a little bit banged up early on. I think he had a hamstring injury, if I'm not mistaken, um, mm-hmm. or, or some sort of injury. And I wouldn't be surprised if we, just with more time and getting acclimated to the NFL and to this offense, you know, by like week, you know. 11, 12, 13, Khalil Shakir might be the guy (laughs) out of the slot, you know. But I would definitely keep an eye on Shakir throughout the season um, and and kind of monitor those snap counts uh, for Isaiah McKenzie.
1: Right. And I I just have a question. Do you think that Khalil Shakir could be, you know, maybe Gabe Davis-esque? You know, kind of have that breakout kind of end of the year? Like, like I don't Davis know if he's gonna have a four.
0: I don't know if he's gonna have like a four touchdown game, <laughs> but <laughs> but I I do think that Shakir is a really good wide receiver. You know, and I think, you know, Gabriel Davis is a good wide receiver, but you know he was never coming out of college like he wasn't this guy who you just thought that wow like he's gonna be really good in the NFL, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of felt that way about Shakir, so. Uh yeah, I I do think there's a chance. Like, <laughs> are you asking like, is there a chance that Khalil Shakir outscores Gabe Davis in 2022? Like, I I don't I don't think so. Uh, but no. it, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. But I can e- easily see in 2023 that you know Khalil Shakir is their starting guy in the slot, and he does his thing. And you know, even on the, he can play on the outside as well. But you know, based on how this team is set up right now, I think that slot job is open. Uh, for 2023, and if I have Shakir in dynasty right now, I am very happy and i'm very excited to see what he can do in the future okay guys that's all we had to talk about um obviously there's a bunch of stuff that happened in preseason but we don't want to you know have this episode way too long um so, you know, obviously, you know, hit us up on Instagram whenever you get a chance. Uh, if you don't follow us on Instagram already, we are at Upper Hand Fantasy. Uh, if you could rate and review this podcast, that would be amazing. Share it with your friends. I know you might not want to share with your league mates because you're competing against them, but if you can share with anybody else, that would be amazing. We would highly appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys so much. We're going to be back on Thursday with another episode, but we'll talk to you guys soon. Take it easy. See ya.